Welcome to the Larry Kreider's Leadership Podcast. Larry is the author of over 40 books, the founder of Dove International, a worldwide family of churches and ministries in six continents, and has over 50 years of leadership experience. He and his guests will share inspirational leadership insights from their journey with God. These insights, gleaned from serving leaders in many nations, will transform your life and leadership. For more information on Larry's books and resources, visit LarryKreider.com. Larry Carter here with the Larry Carter Leadership Podcast, and where we learn those small things, those small changes we can make that make a massive difference in our lives and the lives of those whom we serve in leadership. With me today from the West Coast, Corvallis, Oregon, is my friend Tim Wanger. Welcome. Well, hey, Larry. It's good to be here with you guys. I'm so excited about having this time because there's some questions I want to ask you because you've learned so much about leadership. I've watched you for years as a leader. And you've learned so much to help other people. So are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Thanks for the opportunity. Oh, sure. Again, thank you so much for, for joining me. Here's what I'd like you to do. Talk to me a bit about you know, when you, you know, first came to Christ, for example, how that happened. And talk to me about any inklings that you may have had that you might be a leader. Mm. Or maybe you had none. Sure. Yeah. All right. Go for it. Yeah. So, Larry, I was uh, born in Iowa and uh, got basically saved at a young age of about six. Wow. And uh, my parents, thankfully, they were, it was right during the, when I was about seven or eight, nine years old, it was during the, kind of the whole Holy Spirit movement yes, of the early 70s. I remember that well. And so my mom and dad took us to some, I guess, renewal meetings that were going on. And I still remember going back with the children at like six or seven years yeah. old and praying that I'd be filled with the Holy Spirit. Wow. And so, six or seven. Mm-hmm, yeah. So it was early. I never yeah. knew that. That's amazing. <laughs> now, way back in those days, did you have any inkling that someday you might be a leader? Or is that something that you really felt like God placed in your heart back then? I'm trying to remember that far back, uh, if it was, but I think it kind of becomes pretty clear as you're moving yes. along through life. You can just sense that people look to you for leadership. Exactly. And you just enjoy doing it and feel like it yes. comes naturally. And that's really so, the key to leadership. Yeah. If you're a leader, people will follow. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so talk about some early leadership experiences. Sure. You yeah. know, when you were younger, teenagers, mm-hmm. whatever, what, what did that look like? Yeah. I'm trying to remember much from my teen years, but then as I got into my upper teens, I was married young, and my wife and I began to... Uh, at 19, we began to be involved just in, you know, leading youth and also... You were married at 19? I was married at 19. Wow. Yeah. Right about three months out of high school, we got engaged, so... Cool. Yeah. Went to uh, Elam Bible Institute, and they, you know... I, okay, here's something I learned about leadership. Sure. Larry. I don't know if this is what you want to go down this road, but, you know, we, we got there, and you weren't supposed to actually be in a relationship, but they let us once a week sit on the bench and have one hour together because we had a pre-existing relationship. Because you were married? No, we were not married. Okay. We were not even engaged. But okay. they let us be together. Okay. And we went through a tough time because uh, my wife was wondering if maybe the Lord wasn't asking us to give up our relationship, you know, for the, uh-huh. for the end. And after... Tough a, time for you, oh, I'm sure. Oh, terrible. <laughs> I just about hit the road. about hitchhiked home, you know? And anybody that doesn't know where Elam is, it's in New York, and I was from Oregon, so... <laughs> a long hitchhike uh, road. I was on the payphone calling my dad and just telling him, <laughs> look, this is terrible. And uh, so after about three or four weeks of just kind of listening to the Lord and everything, we, we set up a time and went into uh, the, uh, the Dean of Students. Yes. And we sat in there, and he, he looked at us, and he said... Um, you know, what's, what's, he asked us what our background was. 
And then he looked at us and he said, you know, the Lord isn't trying to just take away the things that we want. And it just wow. broke something right there. We wow. went out and we got, and, and here's what it taught me. If it, that would have been me, I would have looked at that couple and I would have said, excuse me, this is why we have this rule that you're not supposed to be in a special relationship when you're freshmen. <laughs> Instead, he listened to the Holy Spirit, and he, he broke something in us, and we got engaged three weeks later. Wow. And, uh, so, so tell me the leadership lesson. Uh, the lesson was that he was listening to the Holy Spirit, and he wasn't just going by, he wasn't just applying the rule so uh, in such a dramatic way. Um, I'm into, so I'm into rules, great. but yeah. he, he, he brought life into our so life. So we need guidelines, but we need to listen to the Holy Spirit yeah, in the midst of helping job. people follow thankful. the guidelines. I'm thankful for that because that I'm is so thankful good. for my wife. <laughs> yeah, that's so. so good. So what kind of leadership areas did you get involved in then soon after sure, that? Sure, yeah. So then we were pretty involved with uh, leading teams, mission teams up into the north up the, the native community in Northern in, Ontario. In, oh, okay, in Canada. Every summer we would go up there. We were overseeing the youth ministry in our church, and I think we were maybe overseeing also worship kind of in dance ministry sure. at the same time. So Sure. So you saw God's hand on you as a leader during those days. Yeah, felt God's grace. We definitely felt yeah. called to it. In fact, we moved to the town we were in to be specifically uh, mentored by that we were looking for a local church that God was calling us to be a part of. Okay. And we chose the, the town that we moved to because of the church, and we wanted to be involved in that church with that, uh, that leadership. Interesting so. you say that because, I mean, some young people today will say, I don't know that I really need a local church. Yeah. You know, it's me and Jesus, and, you know, God's leading me. I don't, I don't want to be controlled. Mm-hmm. How do you respond to people who say that? Well, I think that's one of the lessons that the Lord taught me early, and I'm really glad he did. And that was being in that church, that was one of the things, the, the values yeah. that was just really shared by that leadership team was the value of walking in um, submission, walking in accountability. And I have seen that as one of the key things yes. that a person has to have function in their life for long-term success. Yep, I yeah. agree 100%. So you're back in, in Oregon, parts of Oregon, Different obviously. parts of and Oregon. And you're, you're involved in business side, so you're involved in the marketplace, yep. mm-hmm. and you're also involved in leadership in the church side and yep. ministry side. How does that work? How do you work that balance out? Well, that balance is different for everybody. Yes. Okay, so I can speak for myself, and right. that is I regularly tell my wife I love my job. Uh-huh. Um, now, you sincerely I, mean that. I really do. But, sure. you know, the kind of job that I have is the that fits me well. I'm a sure. real estate a developer, and we build houses or investment properties. Sure. So I can make it work. I can work when I want to, you know, and I can not work when I don't want to. So even if I'm in Africa, I can have, and I can still be working from over there on my laptop and messaging and stuff. So I just found over the years that it gives me a great opportunity to connect with young leaders that right. are believers, regularly connect with unbelievers, and uh, I, it just gives me a uh, sometimes some exercise. It just gives a lot of good things. Sure, sure. <laughs> so, so you must have learned how to build teams, or you couldn't do that. that Talk yeah, to me yeah. about team building. <laughs> yeah, how you do that? Well, so you know. The first thing that I learned about team building was being probably in my 20s when I stepped into eldership at that first church, Larry, and I observed how a team functioned together and how 
they walk together in decision making and being accountable to one yeah. another. And you know the that scripture there in James where it says, you know, where you see jealousy and selfish ambition, yes, there said. is disorder That's in right. every evil thing. Yeah, and you know. For me personally, even just right now, I am just I'm reading that scripture regularly. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, Lord, I want to be a man that knows what it means to, and the seed, who's and the fruit is righteousness, is sown in peace by those who make peace. I don't right. want to understand what it means to be a pacemaker yeah. in a godly way yeah. that brings that, and I think that's part of building team. Yeah, for me at least. So yeah. talk more about, about teams, like how do teams work? How do they mm-hmm. operate? Is there a leader on the team? Sure. Oh yeah. Are they all in, mm-hmm. in co-equal? What's that look like? Team has a leader, so okay. I would be the leader of our team. Okay. But what makes it function the best is if that leader is actually having the attitude of Paul. Paul says, "I will spend and be spent for your souls." Oh, that's good. And so, and the same way, there's just an honoring of each person, understanding of each person's giftings. Understanding each person's sphere, right. where they can flourish at, and then deferring to each person on the okay. team when you can sense that they have a grace and a faith in a particular area, right. um, to just have them maybe carry a little bit more weight in that decision because mm-hmm. they seem to have a grace in that particular area. Okay. Um, but yes, we have a microchurch network, and so each one of our uh, leaders is responsible with their own teams, but when we gather f- together as a team, then I lead that team. Okay, so, you, so. you're leading a team at work, you, in the business side, mm-hmm. you're leading a team with the microchurch network mm-hmm. that you lead, right. and uh, if you, I know you do a lot of missions kinds of things, I'm assuming you've got teams there. Yeah, not so much teams. I guess there's teams everywhere we go. Uh, I, I love teams, Larry. Right. I mean, yeah. it's so just uh, being able to put a team together, probably it's Partly because I enjoy leading, building a team, and then having sometimes the vision, if it's shared by someone else on the team, people can even grab it more because they realize that, oh, that vision has been so built into the team. It doesn't just have to be the the team leader that's sharing the vision. Right. And when they see that, when people see a team and each person is articulating the vision or the values... And they realize that there's a cohesion there. Yeah. There really yeah. is um, an authority that comes with that. Exactly. Yeah. So as you look back in your life in leadership, mm-hmm. and you've led many years now in many different settings, what are some key lessons you've learned in leadership? Well, I can tell you the one that I wish I would have learned earlier. Yeah, tell us. And that. That'll help. It's, it's one that I'm, <laughs> I'm learning now, and it's pretty practical, and that is I was just studying how the example for... An elder is Christ giving himself up for the church. Right. You know, and then he likens it to a husband giving himself up for his Correct. wife. And I look back in my 20s and my 30s, and I just, I wish I would have, I, I honestly think it would have made me a better leader if I would have learned that, Tim, the more you can learn what it means to give yourself up. Yeah. For your wife. Right. It builds something into m- the very core fabric of myself, my wife, and our family, and yeah. those around yeah. that would have been more, it would have been better. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm trying to learn that now in a, in a greater way. Yeah. So. 
You know, you went to Elon Bio Institute yeah. way back in the day, and uh, I remember Paul Johansson was very connected there for many yeah. years, and I may or may not have told you this, but when I was young, one of the mentors I looked to was Paul, mm. you know, as a young leader. And he, I remember he came and spoke a whole weekend to our new movement, mm. and then after the whole thing was over, I remember taking him back to wherever he stayed. I said, Paul, you watched my life for a weekend. Tell me what I need to change. Mm. You know, I really didn't have mentors at that point speaking into my life like I should have. And he said, oh, I'll tell you. He said, here's what I've noticed about you, Larry. He said, you have to understand that, he said, Christ died for the church. You don't have to die for the church. You need to die for your wife. <laughs> so I yeah. really hear what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I learned, learned yeah. that, that yeah. same lesson. Yeah. 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 So talk more about your, your leadership journey. Like, like today, uh, you know, you're involved in various kinds mm-hmm. of ministries. Talk about some of the ministries you were involved in, that, or maybe some that you tried and didn't work. Sure, Yeah. Well, okay, so we had one that we tried and didn't work, or at least it became a learning experience. I don't know what we learned, so don't ask that question, okay? <laughs> but, you know, we were, we were house parents at a, at a Bible school in our early 20s, and we came out of that, and we decided that we wanted to start a discipleship or kind of school. And so we talked to the elders of our church and got the sure. full-on blessing, and, and we were going to call it the Dunamis Training Center. Dunamis Training Center. Dunamis Training okay. Center, and Dunamis, you know, means power. Sure. And so we had we had some great people lined up to be speakers, and and we put together, and back in those days, I mean, putting together a full four-color flyer was a big deal, and sure. it was expensive. So sure. we, we put together a full four-color flyer, and we sent it out to all kinds of churches all over the United States that had kind of part of a loose network at that time, and not a single, single applicant. <laughs> no one ever wrote nope. in, nope. called Nobody in, did. nothing. <laughs> and you're still trying to figure out what the leadership lesson I, yeah, is. Yeah, I don't know what the leadership lesson is, other than it didn't devastate us, and it was worth the try, That's and good. I now have a good story, and it was a good name. <laughs> it was a good name. And you've also learned there's times you try things yeah. and it doesn't work, and that's okay. Yeah. We think somehow in the kingdom of God, you know, it's interesting in the business world, there's research and development. You try things, some things work, some things don't, it's okay. Well, at least you know you don't go down that road, yeah. you know. Yeah. But in the kingdom, <laughs> we think we got to get it right all the time. We got to know exactly what God's saying. And it's not that way also. Yeah. You know, Paul didn't always know where to go next. He's trying to go, does he go to Asia? Does he go to Bithynia? Yeah. You know, ends up in Macedonia, you know. So the same, the same thing happens. So what are some things you look back and say, man, I wish I would have known that when I started? Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was one that I'd already told you that Paul Johansson told you and yeah. that I just already shared. And um, that just wasn't really as much on my radar as it should have been. I think the second thing, another thing that I would especially encourage young leaders is the value of really setting your foundations in the area. First of all, if you are married, your, your marriage or in your yes. relationship with uh, other people, right. you know, human relationships. Um, if you're married and you have children, I mean, deal, you know, managing children, you know, the marriage, right. the, the fundamentals, really. I don't know for sure if I realized how much the the ramifications or the the way we the decisions that we make right. in our 20s and 30s right. and our teen years they leverage out they get leveraged and we realize later there's times i i feel like maybe i was obedient to the lord and i didn't realize it was going to be a big deal and right. now i look back later and it's like wow yeah. look what god put together right. and look what i'm uh experiencing i'm so grateful for this yeah. you know so I kind of knew that, Larry, but 
dealing, and I've seen situations where people even just financially will kind of cave yeah. as they get older because they haven't dealt with just some of the, the areas of their finances earlier. So right. just the value of dealing with some of those fundamentals and, not, and realizing that it's going to have greater fruitfulness in our leadership yes. later than maybe what sometimes I yeah. would have realized. Yeah. Now, you've got a pretty big family. Yeah. And talk to us about your family. Yeah. So uh, Angie and I, we were going to have like, we thought we were going to have a big family with five children. Sure. And uh, somehow or other, by the time we were 32, I had to step down from eldership because I think we had 11 children, 12 years of age and under. Oh, my. And we had adopted four. And what is that? 11? We had, we had seven births, right? And so it was... Uh, so we have 13 total, four yes. are from Liberia, West Africa, yes. adopted from there during the war, and nine are birth. Wow. And that has been a huge blessing. It's great. And it has been, I just realized that that has impacted our leadership probably as much as anything. Sure. Because our kids, for the most part, are following the Lord. Yes. And they are doing, you know, great things all over the place and it just feels like that kind of goes back to that whole thing of setting the foundations right and bearing the fruit you know the fruit of that so yeah well i've been with you in myanmar we had a trip to myanmar a couple years ago i remember i just enjoyed it to travel with you and you seem to have such a heart for the nations how did you get a heart for the nations you know we always did i don't know why we were always drawn trying to think back but even going to elam they always had our big missions focus right. you know we always enjoyed being with other cultures one thing i've never lacked this is unique i've never been lacking in spiritual fathers I had many spiritual beautiful, fathers beautiful uh, in my teen years and going into my 20s you're a blessed man because yeah. many sit at this table and say yeah. i have not had that many Many, yeah. yeah. And so I'm just so grateful to the Lord for that. And one of them just took us by the hand and took us up and said, hey, uh, come on up into the north, you know. So sure. we spent time up with the native people there and taught us how to um, treat people from other cultures with honor. Mm -hmm. And so we learned that 2021, and then... Um, we went to, and then just adopting from Liberia. We sure. try to go live in Liberia now. Well, we're starting to do it now every year because of just the value of what that teaches us and just the blessing of being able to have true friends in a different culture that's sure. so fundamentally different than ours. Right, you know? right. So. Talk to me about the hive. I'm, I'm only oh. asking this because... Uh, uh, you know, there's a different type of church, sure. microchurch network, mm -hmm. you know, or as you call it, or house church network, mm -hmm. whatever term you want to use. Mm -hmm. Talk to us about how that happens sure. and what that looks like and what you learned about leadership in that process. Okay. So I'll start back. When I was an elder in my 20s, the Ralph Neighbors and the Cell Church model was in zone pastors. And if anybody's right. familiar right. with that, for anybody that isn't, yep. sorry to, you know, go down that road. But that was a big part of our 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 story at that time. And I don't know what it was. I think it has to be almost just a, like a, like a, a vision or a dream. But I was literally sitting in an elders meeting one day and I sensed the Lord said that I was going to at some time start like a house church network. Wow. And I just thought about how there was leaders that maybe wanted to actually take responsibility 
you know, be elders in a community of people rather than maybe more than being a cell leader, that right. this was their church that they right. were going to care for. But yet on the other hand, they didn't want it so big that it, uh, you know, morphed into something different. Right. And so that was, that was in my 20s. And that was before, you know, that was before even you wrote some of those books wow. yourself. And so when Amazing. those books that you wrote came out, I, it, I, you know, I instantly grabbed them because there was not much books on that kind of model of church right. that were healthy. Right. You know, most of them were like, you know, down with the church, Man down, the with, church. Yeah, yeah, down right. with the building, down right. with the pastor, yeah. you know, and there's no leadership. I'm right, and everybody you know. else is wrong. Yeah. yeah. And so that was, that was kind of the formative years. And so we, you know, over the, over the years, even just as you wrote some of the things on um, Cry for Mothers and Fathers, right. you know, House to House, just different right. things like that. Just really realized that that was a call that I sure. had. And so uh, 12 years ago, we tried a little test run in a particular town, and um, we uh, stepped out of the churches that we were in, and we started uh, a small church network at that time. And, and then about 10 years ago, we actually moved with a few a number of people to a, a different town. We wanted one that was a little bigger. In we the wanted, state of Oregon. Yeah, it was in, all in Oregon. We wanted a town, I don't know if this is too many details here, but we wanted a town that was over 50,000 people. Okay. But we wanted a small town on the edge of a large town because we realized that many times students from our discipleship school would get married, start having children, and they wanted to live in a smaller town. Sure. So we said, okay, small town on the edge of a big town. We wanted to have an international type influence population, maybe a mosque type of a thing. And we wanted the small town to be fairly fast growing. And we felt like it needed to probably be in Oregon. So we drove all over Oregon. We even checked out places in Idaho. looking really? for Yeah. And we finally settled on uh, Corvallis. So you we, drove through the state. You yeah, drove through the yeah, neighboring Mark, state yeah. just to pray and yeah. say, God, where do you want us? Yeah. Well, we, we was kind of praying. My wife and I were just getting away too. <laughs> <laughs> now you let it get out of the bag. Yeah. You drive into a town. It's like, no, I don't think God's calling us here. <laughs> so yeah, we, and there's not a lot of, ta- there's not a lot of towns that are over 50,000 actually sure. in Oregon. So you only sure. have about five or six places sure. to check out. And so, so we, we did that. And, um, so we, we run, we call it a microchurch network, which is churches of 20 to 70 people. And, okay. and we try, we, we try not to start a church unless it has 20 people. We try to start planting one once it gets to 60 or 70. Now, Having said that, we I went to the training that um, Francis Chan has, sure. and he uh, he actually kind of they have a little smaller model where it's and they actually are eighteen and under, you right. know, house churches, and so we just kind of felt like maybe the Lord was asking us to also do some house churches, and we find it really it's based on the leaders, right? And we find we've got a couple, we've got two couples that are looking at, wouldn't mind starting a house church here. And so we would like to also add house churches into kind of our, our, our gig. When Jethro said to Moses, he said, listen, find commanders of tens, right. commanders of fifties, yes. commanders of hundreds, and commanders of thousands. Right. For me personally, I was drawn to the, the number 50, okay? Yeah. And then I looked at the Old Testament and all through the scripture, both the Israel army and 
the foreign armies were broken down into, they had the, the number 50. And really? then I looked at the U.S. military and platoons, our 50. Even Jesus had people sit down in 50s when he That's fed right, them. He did. So I thought there might be something here sure. that is, and so I just began to realize at the time that there are leaders that feel really comfortable with shepherding and caring for yes. 50, 60 people, yeah. okay? And it just gave one more option that was a little bigger than meeting in a house, but yet yeah. was organic enough that you could achieve some of the things that are not possible okay. with some of the bigger models. Sure. And so that's what we have been really focusing on. Let me say back yeah. to you what I think I hear mm-hmm. you saying. Yeah. You have these groups of 50 to 70. Yeah. And what do you call those? So actually, it would be groups of 20 to 70 20 with an average 70. of 50. And okay. we call them we call them microchurches. Okay. Yeah. That's a microchurch. Mm-hmm. And then what's a house church? And then for us, if it's like eight people or whatever to 20, okay. we call that, that meets in a home, we would call that a house church. Would, they be, would that house church be connected in any way to yes. the microchurch? Yes. So we would have a network of micro and house churches. Okay. Now, I don't, this might be more than what you want to hear, but because it's so driven towards serving the leaders, right. if you have a leader or leadership team that feels God's called them to grow their microchurch, to 200 people, right. we, want to, we want to bless them, awesome. and we want that to happen. Awesome. Having said that, we would ask them that they would do the same thing with leaders that are That's in theirs, right. and they wouldn't be just saying, I'm going to hold these right. t- leaders in my church so I can grow it to 250. Yeah, you're releasing people to do what yeah. God's placed in their hearts. It's yeah. fantastic. It's yeah. fantastic. So. so today, what does Hive, the Hive look like today? Like how many right. of these microchurches? Mm-hmm. What's that look like today? Yeah. So we so we had three. We pulled back to two during COVID, and now we're going to be planting okay. this fall again. And that's why, Larry, um, I think we want to maybe look at some house churches too, because sure. we are even finding that it can be a little daunting for people yeah. to lead a, a church of six, yeah. 50, 60, 70 people. Right. Yeah. So I mean, I, yeah. love, I would love what you're saying. Yeah. The other thing about the Moses model mm-hmm. is that Moses knew there was grace in some people for 10, grace yeah. for 50, grace for 100, and on and on. And, and you know, it's not like one's better than the other. Not I mean, and that is not a patronizing thing no, to say. Not at all. You really need to know who you are. Totally agree. You yeah. really need to know yeah. who you are. And the more the opportunities that we can give, Different ways to lead and in, in done in a healthy way, I think yes. we need to do that. You're right. And so. I think the more church leaders and any type of leader grows in being true spiritual fathers, mm-hmm. true spiritual mothers, yeah. more they want to do this because our own natural children, we want them to fulfill the call of God in their lives. Mm-hmm. You know, for them to fulfill our vision is dysfunctional parenting. Yeah. I mean, of course, they help mow the lawn and learn chores when they grow up, but they get to a place where we want to help them fulfill their vision. Yeah. And you're, you're doing that really well. And that's the whole thing where Paul, you know, he says, I, I, will, be, I will spend and yeah. be spent for your souls. I really like that. Spend yeah. and be spent for your souls. So. so talk to us now about, you look back after all these years, and a younger leader comes to you and says, Tim, man, teach me in leadership. What are some key things I should know as I'm starting my leadership journey? What would you tell them? Mm. Well, I'm, I would definitely tell them to get into a healthy environment. Yes. Um, get into a situation where there is a healthy, you're not, where you're not sensing that uh, striving, uh, jealousy, selfish ambition. Right, right. There's clear leadership. There's leadership that uh, is willing to really release release them. Right. Um, and go into their 
go into their core and begin to really mm-hmm. say, who am I? Yeah. You know, um, we both know Keith Yoder, yeah. and I've heard on this podcast him mentioned many times. I mean, he saved yeah. my life, you sure. know, but he came in at a certain time when I yeah. was a young leader and basically said, you know, you and your wife need to go down into your core. Yeah. And I'm sure he said it with very, very more articulate than I am, right. but uh, go down into your core, know what that is, and then, you know, sure. step out. And, um, but before that, uh, back again, that whole thing of just setting the foundation by being faithful with all yeah. those other areas, I think is super good. Walking in, you know, you look at the book of Proverbs and one of the crowning characteristics of a wise man is that they are willing to receive counsel. That's good. To walk it, to be be walking correction, be corrected, to listen to others, and one of the crowning characteristics of a fool, I'm just is like over and over again. It says, "I I don't want anybody to tell me what to do." Right? You know, I you will it. not receive any correction, and you so I think that's one of the first things yeah. that a person really needs to be alert to is really setting their heart to the point where they yeah. I will receive, I will right. receve. And this yeah. is so good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm at the edge of my seat. We're going to have to close because we're out of time. Yeah. All the information uh, okay. for all of you that are listening today is on our show notes. I love your heart. I love their flexibility. Uh, I just love you know, the, the way you honor the whole body of Christ and different methods of church, church structures and church planting, et cetera, et cetera. I just love it. And I uh, love your leadership journey. So thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you. And we'll have to get you back in the future. Thanks so much. Hey, God bless you all. Thank you for joining us today for the Larry Carter Leadership Podcast. Again, where we learn these small things, small changes we can make that make a huge difference in the future. And I look forward to hearing from you. And again, if you want to know more about Tim, check the show notes. And we'll be back again with many, many more podcasts as we interview leaders from around the world. God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to Larry Kreider's Leadership Podcast. If you want more information about any of Larry's books, daily devotionals, small group resources, or any other teachings, go to LarryKreider.com.